We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. So we're doing a bit of a follow-up question today, which is always nice, Uh, but we're going to see where this one goes. We put out our video, I guess it was last week if they're watching them in order. I know it was several weeks ago that we recorded it, but it went out last week, and it was about church planting, and one of the questions that came in was related to, maybe we would call it, Early church plants, really early church plants, like in the second century, or yeah, first century, or something. Like thinking about when churches were first starting to spread, the question came in, and and they built on the idea of well, they didn't have the Bible, they didn't have the New Testament bound together to kind of look to for guidance. And so, what role did things like the saints and relics have? in the spread of the early church. Okay. First of all, um, <clears throat> they did have a Bible. The Bible was the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Mm. And they were they were beginning to have books of the New Testament because all of the books of the New Testament were written during the first century. <clears throat> mm. um, in 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16... Okay. Uh, Peter is writing about Paul, and Peter mentions all of Paul's letters. Read me Second Peter three fifteen and 16 there. It says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them, in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do with other scriptures. All right, so Peter mentions all of Paul's letters, so he was obviously aware of a collection of Paul's hmm. letters. So even he was, in the first century, he died in the 60s of the first century. Yeah. So he wasn't waiting until like 350 yeah, AD I, no. when they were all. Neither did anybody else. Yeah, okay. In uh, Colossians 4 16, mm-hmm. it's talking about churches sharing the apostolic apostolic letters with each other. And it tells the church at Colossae to share their letter. This is Colossians 4.16. Read it there for us. Okay. 4.16 says, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. All right. So the Colossians were going to share their letter. Yeah. And as we anticipate an, yet another question that's going to come up because you read that, <laughs> he says, be sure you also read the letter that's coming from Laodicea. It mm-hmm. doesn't say that it was a letter to Laodicea. It's very likely the book of Ephesians that was spread around the area there, and it was coming to the Colossians from the church at Laodicea. And so they were each getting each other's letters and developing the collection. So the first part of the question is a misunderstanding. 
because they taught Christ from the Old Testament and they were quickly gathering uh, the New Testament documents. So they would have had well. these instructions. They would much have had earlier. some of them much earlier than people thought. Yeah. However, his his question was when they when the churches began to spread, what role did things like the saints and the relics have? Right. Let's take those two separately. Okay. Um, the saints. If you go to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. Okay. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all of those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So according to that verse, God's church is made up of those who are sanctified or set apart mm-hmm. in Christ, and those people are called saints. So according to that passage, Christians are saints. All Christians are saints because they've been set apart from the world and are now in Christ, and so they are holy or set apart. The mm. word saint just means holy or set apart. So the idea that the term saints is reserved for a special class of people yeah. is, <clears throat> is not biblically correct. So it's not just the, the 11, eventually the one who was added in, but the 11 remaining men who had walked with Jesus and are talked about in the Gospels. And it's and not those are those apostles, guys. but they were, all apostles are saints, but not all saints are apostles. You and I are saints, but we're not apostles. Okay. Saint equals Christian. Got it. So in the, as far as the early church, would they have been venerating those men to sainthood and no. following after them? And- no, because what really happened in the matter of saints, for example, is as the Christians evangelized into pagan lands, uh, pagans in the British Isles and in the in the Germanic or Saxon areas, mm-hmm. the the Visigoth areas, right? Um, <clears throat> pagans, all pagans, almost tried to communicate with the dead. They prayed to their ancestors, basically. Yeah, you remember the movie Gladiator and how mm-hmm. Russell Crowe had the little shrine and he had little statues of his wife and son, and yep. he was praying to them. Yeah, that was typical paganism. Hmm. And so, what some of the early uh, by the third century or so, fourth century, maybe, maybe even into the fifth century, some of the early Roman Catholic ministers that went out, they acquiesced to paganism hmm. by taking this pagan custom of praying to the ancestors. Yeah. They didn't want to be pagan, so they, they reasoned that, well, let's just pray to some good hmm. Christians that have died, some really good Christians. Yeah like the apostles or like somebody like, you know, some really great woman or something. So this really took a pagan idea, which was totally condemned in Scripture because mediums and praying to the dead is strictly condemned in the Bible. And we see that <clears throat> from the Old Testament. Yes. So. And so, so they took that pagan custom and put a Christian spin on it. And let them keep some of their paganism and call it by Christian names. So like in the late first century, early second century, you know, while the apostles are still around and shortly thereafter. None of that existed. You're not seeing that in early church writings. No. Yeah. But it it came about 
fourth century, that'd be the 300s, fifth century. Yeah. Uh, you had the, the ones that went to the British Isles where they confronted Druidism and all the, mm-hmm. all their customs relative to the dead and, and some of the Gothic peoples and their customs relative to the dead. They just Christianized that paganism and started praying to uh, Saint Ignatius or Saint this or Saint that, which were just dead Christians. Yeah. You're not supposed to pray to dead Christians. You're not supposed to pray to Mary. The Bible teaches us to pray to God. Yeah. It's, they're still good people and we can look to their example sure, and learn from sure, them. Sure, 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 sure. But the idea of somebody that you can pray to that'll pass your, that, that's totally an unbiblical idea. Mm. Now, what about the other part of his question was in addition to saints, the relics. So like the bits and pieces left over from a special event or the bits and pieces of a person in a lot of cases. Yeah. This was more of a medieval custom. Hmm. If you get into the dark ages, um, you know, in the six, seven, eight hundreds, a thousand AD, okay. the practice of uh, people claiming that they had a shin bone of the apostle Thomas, or they had a they had a finger of the apostle James, or they had a you know a piece of the true cross. Yeah, um, like that that piece of wood would have survived all of that time, and and they came to believe that that the bones of particularly holy people or apostles or <clears throat> the, a piece of the cross or a, a cup that had been used by Jesus or something like that would have almost magical powers hmm. because it had been directly associated by Jesus. Um, this is also part of paganism that was transferred over to Christianity. Yeah. Paganism has um, always recognized certain things to be talismans yeah. or uh, have possessing spiritual powers within things. Mm-hmm. Like some people today even would wear a symbol of the cross as a talisman, thinking if that cross was blessed by some holy person, that it would have the power to ward off evil spirits. No, you've got a spiritual shield around you thanks yeah. to this item. And Scripture never teaches anything like that. That is putting our faith in some thing instead of putting our faith in God. When the cross is mentioned in Scripture, uh, for example, in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and following, it talks about the message of the cross. Mm-hmm and uh, the word of the cross, and we preach Christ crucified. When the New Testament mentions the cross, it's not talking simply about the item. It's talking about the redemptive work of God that was done on the cross, Mm -hmm. the death of Jesus, see? And so it's not the stake, the cross, the the two pieces of wood that are driven into a hole in the ground, but it's the death of a sinless Savior yeah. that that suffered for all of mankind. It's that death of Jesus that is the power, not the yeah. piece of wood. And so God never teaches us to venerate images. Um, one thing that's related to this, <clears throat> in the 700s, There was a big controversy in the church called the iconoclastic controversy. Yes. 
And this was the veneration of images, images of the saints or of the apostles or mm -hmm. of Mary or whatever. And they would make statues. Yeah. And uh, the Islamic people pointed out in the Old Testament that the Bible says, You shall not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything in heaven above or earth beneath right. or the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. So... The, the, and this, again, was borrowed from paganism, but people needed something to feel close to God. They needed a statue or they needed a picture. And this was about not only three-dimensional images, statues, but two-dimensional um, images, mm -hmm. like pictures of Jesus, yeah. icons, you know, of the saints yeah. or whatever. A painting, a mural, <clears throat> of, you and, know. And the basic doctrine came in... in the Roman Catholicism of that stage and in Eastern Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy as well, that by, by looking at and meditating upon those images, it was almost like a window into the spiritual world. It was like a conduit, yeah. a supernatural conduit into the spiritual world. And yeah. so, so the practice ensued after a while that people would have you know, you can find this in many homes in in uh, different parts of the world in Latin America. There'll be a really special picture of Mary and maybe a really special picture of Jesus and maybe some candles and everything. And it's sort of like those images. Yeah, they they propel you into the spiritual world. Mm. When totally opposite to biblical teaching, the biblical teaching is that as I walk with God in my own personal life and as I commune with God in my spirit, that it has nothing to do with any picture or shrine. It's my own thinking and conduct that connects me yeah. with God. And so. so with all of these things, I keep hearing that they started happening much later in history. They did. And so do we have anything in early church writings that even hints that this was something that early Christians might have even toyed with it a little bit. I'm not recalling anything from the earlier centuries about relics. Hmm. Um, when you get into the, especially 4th, 5th century, 6th century and later, yeah. and they begin to attach more um, emphasis on Mary and on uh, some of these other things, um, then after that time, you start seeing things, but mostly the most of the stuff that I've read. Now, I'm not an expert in this because, please, I'm not. You need to study this yourself. And and uh, but in medieval times, I mean, in the in the late Middle Ages, like 900, 1000 A.D., 1200 A.D., yeah, it was really big on images. And during the during the Crusades, oh yeah, when they went to the Holy Land to liberate Jerusalem. There was big business to claim that you'd found a piece of the, yep. the, bring the it back true cross and, and bring it back and mm -hmm. tell people that that's what it was. And they'd put it in a case and they would venerate it in their church and everybody would come to look at it and think that if they looked at that hunk of wood that their sicknesses would be oh, healed yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so I think going back to <clears throat> where we started, a lot of that... We get mixed up in history and sometimes we lose track of exactly how much space is between 
the death of Jesus and his apostles and the time when those things happened. Right. And also how early people had access to these early church writings. And, and the, the thing I want everybody to remember out there is that both the veneration of relics and the veneration and prayers to the saints and to Mary and um, the icons or images, all of those things arise out of paganism and pagan mm -hmm. ideology. None of those things arise out of Jesus and his apostles and what they taught. Yeah, not straight out in of scripture. scripture. Yeah. yeah. Those are little bits of paganism that has bled over into Christianity. Hmm. And I have a feeling there's some bits and pieces of that that maybe people might want us to talk about in more depth later, but I think this does a good job of answering that original question, or at least continuing so, that So the answer to the original question is, those things had no role whatsoever as the question was formed mm. in the spread of early Christianity. There we go. So hopefully that helps out, and like I said, hopefully continues our conversation a bit more as we really do want to look into what this says, what the Word of God says, right. and then how that played out through yep. Christian history. And there's all kinds of things that developed over time, and that's just one of those things. Yeah. Thanks for the question and for the follow-up. We look forward to any other conversation we may have. Y'all have a great week. See y'all. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.